On this special edition of Burnline Podcast, we have Justin Randolph of Battleground Cigars. Welcome to the show. Burnline Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome everybody to Burnline Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Midas, joined by Nick the Brick, as usual. Hello. Hello, Nick. And uh, today we have a special guest with us, Justin Randolph, the national sales rep for Battleground Cigars. Justin, how are we doing this morning? Doing all right, man. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on, and uh, we are going to be smoking some Battleground cigars, talking about Battleground cigars, and uh, whatever other bullshit comes to our minds today. Um, so for uh, folks that don't know, so you know, Battleground as a brand is uh, you know new to me or to our listeners. Let's put it that way, right? So. For somebody that's never heard of Battleground before, what would you tell them? Uh, well, I'd start by saying, uh, you know, Civil War theme cigar company, um, kind of a military-esque feel, but we do feature more generals from both North and South. We have an Abraham Lincoln cigar called the Emancipator, which is a bourbon cigar. Um, we've been around um, in the industry since 2000, so 23, 23 strong years now. We still are considered, you know, boutique, um, but... Uh, you know, working with the company for the last eight years now, I actually, I appreciate it. You know, yeah. I know people aren't going into the humidor looking for Battleground cigars. It's hopefully one of those hidden gems they can find while they're in there. Right, right. Yeah, so I uh, traveled for work for a long time. I'm, I'm sort of semi-settled now. I started a factory down in uh, Westminster. So this is the longest I've lived anywhere in a while, which is like three years. Um, supply chain that sort of thing. So the benefit of that was uh, I got to visit a lot of places and go to a lot of cigar shops. Um, I think the coolest one, probably the coolest one I've been to was out in California where it was humidified with a waterfall. Mm. But the waterfall slid to the side and there was like this speakeasy tunnel that led to like a pizza shop. Um, yeah, like, so anyway, so probably trying to get around some code in California or something. So John, John was actually in Amsterdam tripping on LSD. Yes, uh, that's how that happened. Uh, now, the reason I bring it up is uh, getting a feel for what's popular in each area of the country. Um, you know, Charleston, when I lived there, uh, I think second largest or most cigar smoking city uh, outside of Miami. Um I had like six shops within 10 minutes I could go to. And so they all kind of specialized a little bit. One had a Dungeons and Dragons tournament. One had like a poker tournament. You know, one had darts, one had pool. Um, and then... South Carolina, Charleston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a, a very a huge like uh, Asylum and Carreras like people really smoked the hell out of those cigars for whatever reason. Um, and then I moved to Texas and Iroa was huge. Um, yeah. Roma craft, obviously like you get, you get all of them, all the facings. Well, where I was at, uh, in South Dallas, you know, it, it, it was definitely an insular community, you know, very like homogeneous kind of community. Um, and, uh, it's just too bad you got the Cowboys there. Sorry for any Cowboys fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I was born in Philly, and we're going to stop the sports conversation right there. So, uh, and the reason I... That's uh, <laughs> Let's just say we beat Tom Brady. Um, no, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady. I love it. I love it. I'm a Bears fan, so I have nothing to brag about. I just like, I just had to throw some shit in there. That's my fault. The Bears, that's pretty cool. My, my wife's family's from that area, and uh, they're all pretty much Bears fans. So, born and raised about... Three, just shy of three hours outside of Chicago. So most of the sports royalties go from Chicago. But uh, at this point, I'm kind of disappointed in that. But it is what it is. You it know? is what it is. So all of that preamble, um, I really just wanted to talk to my talk to you about myself um, because I'm a really important guy and I host this podcast. And everybody out there on the internet wants to hear more about Johnny Midas. So every opportunity that I have, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the <laughs> I brought that up because uh, I had not seen Battleground, right, around the states until I came here, right? And so I imagine there's folks out there on the internet that, uh, you know, haven't heard about Battleground cigars. So this is an opportunity for our listeners to learn about a cigar brand. And some cigars, we're all going to smoke a different one today, right? They might not have tried. Um, And that's one of the things that we like doing with folks is like, hey, here's like accessible cigars that you can actually smoke that are really good. Um, and, and that's kind of our thing, right? Like there's plenty of like snobby shows out there where it's like, here's our $75 blah, blah, blah cigar, you know, made with uh, gold leaf mined by They probably wipe their ass with 5 and $10 bills too. Yes, yeah. Hand mined by the hardworking <laughs> indigenous peoples of somewhere. Um, Central America. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's Battleground. Um, we are going to each smoke a different Battleground cigar and uh, talk about it, share some notes, and why don't we go around the horn. Uh, Nick, what are you smoking today? So this morning I have the Hancock Robusto, which I think is an Ecuadorian Corojo wrapper um, with um, binder and filler that Justin's going to tell you guys about. Um, but this is General Hancock on the band. He's a... Uh, He's a good-looking guy, honestly. That face hair, man. They used to. They knew how to do it back in the day, man. Six out of ten. Uh, Gettysburg eight. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Hancock today for me. I was really hoping you were going to finish the rest of the uh, two-thirds of the cigar. You, you got the wrapper right, but uh, <laughs> now to finish up with the Hancock, he's got. Uh, he mentioned the Ecuadorian Corojo. Uh, and then with the binder, it's actually a Sumatra binder. It's the only cigar that we have any Sumatra with. Um, I, I actually want to take credit for that. I uh, kept telling the owners I would love to get a Sumatra cigar in the brand. Always love the Sumatra wraps. Um, but they're like, you know, how about we just put it on the binder? I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, we fill it with uh, great Nicaraguan tobacco from uh, some our, one of our factories we get our tobacco from down there in Nicaragua. Uh, the one I'm lighting up this morning is our Mysterioso. You know, it's funny being... Eight years into this company, uh, I still don't understand where this came from. It has nothing to do with Civil War. It's literally a lady that looks like Statue of Liberty raising her hand up, and she's partially naked. Um, that's the spirit of Manifest Destiny riding an eagle. That actually, yeah, that's pretty much what it looks like. Now that you say that, absolutely. I never thought of it that way. So uh, I'm going to start using that as a sales pitch now. Um, hopefully it works better. I don't know. But uh, I, it's got to sound better than Naked Lady Cigar. So, um, But this guy, we've got, a, we've got a lovely broadleaf wrapper on the outside. And then uh, what really makes this cigar unique is that um, part of the filler 
um, is actually, uh, actually, geez, actually, uh, Louisiana Perique pipe tobacco. And Perique pipe tobacco um, is specifically grown down in St. James Parish, Louisiana, uh, down a little marsh down there. And um, so we were able to acquire some of that, and we've had this cigar going now for quite some time. And that Perique just changes the whole complexity of the cigar. Um, so very well done on our end. Uh, we actually ended up lowering the price on this guy about three, four years ago, and it's been, been one of our best-selling cigars. Awesome. I've actually I've got family down in uh, St. Tammany, so I'm familiar with the uh, area of Louisiana. So I am smoking the Armistead, and Justin, what can you tell me about this cigar? Yeah, so the General Armistead, uh, when uh, they came out um, with that blend, uh, they wanted to find a cigar that was an every man cigar, or every woman cigar, and we got to fill everybody in here. We, uh, we wanted something that was for the heavy smokers and something for the light smokers. Uh, so we ended up coming up with a Brazilian Maduro wrap, um, and then we, we also bind it with a Dominican wrap, and then uh, we use a little bit of Nicaraguan filler in that. It's comes out to be a perfect medium body cigar, really good billow on the smoke. Um, we've actually had that guy rated 92 twice, so it is our highest rated cigar in our line. Um, and it actually, with what Nick is smoking over here, the General Hancock, uh, we also wanted to have something that came out uh, in it that is comparable to the General Armistead. Um, there is a little bit of history between the two of them, um, between the Masonic Brotherhood, um, and we just wanted to feature that um, to a historical aspect. Uh, but General Armistead, highest rated cigar in our line, uh, definitely one of the more celebrated cigars that we have uh, out of our 13 total facings. Yeah, I see like the Masonic eye up there, um, so that's that's pretty cool. Yep, yep. Uh, I think they the compass is on the uh, one of the other sides too. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's very square, faint. Square and compass. Yeah. Yep. Square and compass is on there, very faint, and on the back there it looks like two hands holding each other for the band. That would oh, be yeah, yeah. that's to commemorate. So we've had that band for a long time, and now of course we just finally released the Hancock for the brother, the brother, you know, the friend to friend symbol. So yeah, that's really cool. So. And you mentioned the 92 ratings, so the uh, all of the Battleground cigars are made by uh, some of the best cigar factories in the world, I think. Um, uh, two of them in particular, um, I smoke everything that they make. Um, so I know that uh, you guys have a you know contractual obligation not to reveal who makes the cigars. Um, that's yeah. normal. Normal I wonder if I could almost say that and it would almost change the game a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, if they, if they, if they were new and I kind of like to, you know, the secrets there, but, uh, you know, it kind of keeps you guessing, fill in the blank type deal. Um, but once you smoke it, you can kind of, you can almost start to point in the, which direction that yeah. those factories are coming from. Yeah. Um, so it's no surprise to me that not only are these good cigars, but highly rated. Um, and then we talk a lot about the presentation when we, in fact, Every cigar, we talk about the presentation, and we rank cigars. Uh, presentation is part of it, right? Because the visual aspect of smoking cigars, we think, is an important part of the cigar smoking experience. Um, so looking at this Armistead, for example, we've got a, a really beautiful, I would call this a slightly mottled wrapper. Not toothy. Um, is that, not, uh, that's a Brazilian. Is that Arapiraca? You're gonna yeah. be, dude. You're gonna be a freaking Brazilian rapper expert. Yeah. Because it was it intemperance and then. Yeah. Well, the Araparaca is my favorite because it's less common. You know, everyone's yeah. doing the. The Modafina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's a really gorgeous leaf. It's it's not like uh, rustic, but it's also not like um, you know that that almost cardboard looking over processed wrapper, right? I can see the veins, um, and then the band is super cool. So we just talked about some of the you know Masonic Brotherhood symbols kind of built into the band, you know that ties over you know into the other product. Um, but what we have is like a diamond in the middle with a, a gold foil uh, outline. And then we have Armistead's face in the middle. Um, really wonderful face hair again. Not not really great like head hair. Um, he's smoking a freaking cigar. And he's smoking a cigar. How'd they get him to sit still like that for a portrait for that long with the cigar in his mouth? I know. I feel like they would have messed up. The, From out of hide. Uh, yeah, uh, like the, the, <laughs> the cigar part. Like... How long do I paint the cigar? Because it got smaller since I started. Yeah. What's interesting, too, is, uh, you know, we, we try to portray the generals, some of them at least, smoking cigars on their on the boxes. Um, General Armistead, we, I don't know if it's historically accurate that he was a cigar smoker. Now, I do know we also have a General Longstreet. He was a very avid cigar smoker. Obviously, General Grant was. Um, I'm pretty sure General Lee was not. Um, but we don't. I don't think we have him portrayed as a smoking a cigar. He's just sitting in a nice, fine chair, just showing off his... Leadership, um, but I always found that funny with General Armistead. It's uh, nowhere have we found that he was a cigar smoker. Maybe he was. Maybe he liked pipe. Well, he is in this picture. He is in this picture, and, and yeah, it's a great question. How long did he have to sit there? It's like almost putting like a like a um, flat brim hat on the Mona Lisa. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Yet uh, General Custer smoked the peace pipe, from what I've been told. Um, so <laughs> I've heard that before too. Yes. Yes. We didn't, we didn't quite put that in our imagery, but, uh, somewhat ironically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the native Americans, uh, had tobacco as part of their ritual, um, really introduced, you know, the West to tobacco smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went, you know, into North America. So, we associate tobacco and cigars like with Mesoamerican culture, um, which is accurate. Um, in fact, Honduras is a good example of a country where, you know, when explorers and, and frankly, conquerors, you know, and settlers came over, uh, the people were already producing cigars, you know. They didn't have, like, factories like we have nowadays, but it was part of their culture. Um, in North America, they tend to use a pipe as opposed to rolling it up into a, like a cigar, a cheroot or something. Um, but, uh, that's a little bit about the history of, uh, tobacco in North America. So we are, uh, all smoking a different battleground cigar. Um, Nick, you have the, you have the Hancock. Justin, you have the Mysterioso. Correct. Yep. Okay. And I've got the Armistead. So all three different. Um, and we're going to enjoy the heck out of these. And with that, it is time for our official cutting, as usual, brought to you by Union Cigar. Burnline Podcast is brought to you from the Hot Box, the smoky back room where deals are struck and fortunes are made adjacent to the Blanco Cigar Lounge, nestled among the complex of rooms that comprises the Hanover location of Union Cigar. And Union Cigar sponsors our official cutting. And with that, we are going to get these cigars cut. And as usual, we remind you to clip those cigars with authority. You will respect my authority! Except for Nick. Nick, what are you fucking around with over there? Holy crap, I'm punching my cigar today. 
He's punching his cigar. I made a last-minute decision to, to punch my cigar today. The cap just looked so good that I didn't want to destroy it. So Nick decided to go for aesthetics over tar buildup. So we'll see how that works out for him. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we've uh, punched a cigar. We've done V-cut. Um, at least Keith, he was a big, like, deep V-cut guy, right? Uh, that other guy that was on the show. I, I'm mostly um, straight cut. I'm straight cut 99.9% of the time. Yeah, me too, pretty much. Yeah. Now, I will do, especially like a narrow ring gauge box press, I'll punch that because otherwise I, I screw it up. So. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm partial. When it comes to, I don't smoke too many box press cigars. We do have a few in our line. Uh, I prefer just more of the standard size of the cigar. Uh, but if I ever do a box press, I will normally do a V-cut. But when it comes to just the regular cigars, I, I just prefer doing, you know, the straight cut. And if I want to get weird and crazy, I'll do a double V just to make an X so I feel like I'm cool. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, the older I get, the more I just gravitate towards like a Toro. You know, it's yeah. like, it's fuss-free, it's... Anyway, all right, and with that, it is time for our official lighting, and as usual, we remind you to toast your cigar gently, don't roast it. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. It's toasted. I get it. So, we are lighting up. I have got my gold-plated, soft-flame butane torch. That is a $14 Amazon knockoff of a very expensive French brand that we're not going to advertise on the show until they advertise on the show. And it looks like Nick is using his three-jet Starlink satellite rocket booster launcher. And Justin, what are you lighting up with today? Uh, I'm actually using a single torch uh, from my family shop back home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, Rudy's giving a shout out. Look at this, all the way over in Gettysburg. That, or, excuse me, Hanover. That is fucking cool, man. So on the logo there is my father-in-law. Um, we own a well, not we. He owns a wine and cigar and chocolate shop back home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So if you guys ever seem to travel through 30 coming back home, or if you end up going through Indiana somewhere, be sure to stop through for downtown Fort Wayne. Um, it's got the nice little logo. I think it's. What's that brand? Visol, Visol, and um, yeah, they they gave us a nice little branding on there for our shop logo, and uh, so I like to carry it with me everywhere I go. I'm kind of a I like the one I like the single torch. Um, I mean, Nick's over here ready to wield a chair. I don't I don't need that right now, so I'm just you know politely toasting the cigar, getting it ready. That is super cool looking. I wish we could show folks, but it's like um, if you shrunk a playing card down to like half size. And it's probably uh, looks like it's four and a half, four and a half millimeters thick. Uh, great pocket torch. Uh, it's just cool looking. I like cool, cool stuff. I almost like when I saw it the first time. I almost expected a soft flame to come out of it. Yeah, okay, it kind of looks like that. I didn't. Type of. It's got it's got a little like Zippo vibe. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, you know, cigar accoutrement like that's a big part of the whole thing. Like. A lot of us have lucky lighters, or I have a um, really interesting Zippo that is actually a Japanese knockoff of a Zippo made in the 70s, and a service member that was a member of my home lodge in Minnesota had them made with like the lodge info on it, and then brought them back with him. And we were going through, like, old shit in the basement of the lodge, and we found there was, like, five left or something, like 40-year-old fake Zippos. Of course, the 
like the flint was dust, you know, like, so anyway, uh, I picked one up and then I just got the Zippo butane insert and now I have like a cool shell that I can actually light my cigar with, you know, not campfire gas. You're my hero. Thank you. Yeah. How's your cigar? So I can't give you any tasting notes yet because I just started. Dude, come on, man. You know, the, li- the, the light's the worst part of the cigar. You got to get through that first. Oh, no. this is great. Okay, time, time for the argument. Here Debate time. Duh, duh, duh. So Francisco, we had Francisco on the show a couple, <clears throat> a couple episodes ago. And he, Francisco's adamant about, like, after you Smoke get through. Smoke off the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, the first, like, six, seven, eight puffs of the cigar are the best, hands down. And I will take that to my grave. I, I totally disagree. And now, if it's a close foot, close foot, or a half close foot, uh, definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll go the on puff. I won't burn it. I'll start puffing right off the first light to get the taste from the wrapper right off the beginning. But I don't know. I, when I when I'm doing events and I'm going around and I'm asking customers, you know, hey, how's that cigar going? I usually wait till I see about a good half inch to an inch, and I'm like, that's when I'll ask. Now, hey, if you get great notes and stuff off that first light you're either full of shit or you're really telling the truth and uh i appreciate either one but i i think it's fair to ask them once you're about a half inch to an inch into the cigar i think that's about the time to ask i think that's the normal experience for folks in in my experience which i'm going to make normal um for me it's a knife edge and if i toast my cigar properly i agree with nick like the first couple of puffs are phenomenal uh, partly because of the clean palate um if I get overzealous or I'm in a hurry or something like that and I scorch the tobacco, you can tell. Like, you can taste it, and, and it's not as good. So I just burn that off and, and go from there. So Now, because I have this uh, beautiful gold-plated soft flame torch, I was able to toast it gently. Yeah, you always toast it perfectly, it. yeah. You're just a toasting machine. Can you make me some toast one morning? I'll make you some toast. I will make you some toast with a butane lighter. Um, all right. So again, I am smoking the Armistead and the, give me the size on this, Justin. Oh, that was a fun debate <clears throat> Nick and I've had the last couple of days. So I could have sworn that we had a six by 50 standard Toro. Well, come to find out in the bottom of the bundle, we went to go refill them yesterday. It says six by 56. And I was like, that's son of a bitch. Um, and then now that it's out of the cellophane and I'm looking at it and I'd be like, all right, I lost that battle. But uh, six by fifty-six Toro. Can't say standard because that'll piss Nick off. But uh, a little bit bigger ring gauge. Um, but the length is a standard Toro there at six inches. I think it's six and a quarter. I'm I'm pretty sure. Does anybody have a ruler? Yeah, it's in my phone. Hold on, I'm gonna do this. All right, so I'm gonna use the measure app. I Take, measure things for. A if living, it's wrong, I'm so. going back to the company and be like, hey, what is this Mickey Mouse now, operation? Hold on, hold on. you get an extra quarter inch for free. Don't well, tell them. You're, you're, you're going about this all wrong. Well, how am I supposed to feed my kids and get them new shoes, man? I need to, <laughs> I need to incorporate that in there. All right. So here we go. Let's see if I can pull this off. I've got my uh, iPhone measurement app out. Okay. Add a point. And this technology is incredible. I thought you were going to like, I thought your screen was going to become a ruler and you were going to put your phone next to the cigar. You're, you're taking a picture of the cigar and it's going to tell you how... Hmm. All right, here you go. That's the official. I'm gonna put this right on fucking what? Instagram. Six and a half. That's that's mm. six and a half, and and it's an iPhone, so it can't be wrong. So this is, you know what? It's probably wrong. 
Shut, I was shut, probably shaking. Sh- shut the mics off, John. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> we we got to take this off air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So enough fuckery. Um, I think, you know, the first of all, the Otter Paraca, like I can taste that. It has a unique flavor. Love it. Uh, robust. Um, but there's a sweetness in this cigar, which is pretty cool. So very. Uh, That's how I like to explain the cigar, because they when some people, when they hear the word Maduro, uh, they instantly kind of take a step back. They're like, oh, no, I don't need uh, I don't need anything that strong. Well, mm-hmm. again, with that Brazilian uh, leaf that we used, it is. It's It's got a subtle sweetness to it that really kind of dulls the strength of what some Maduros could be. So that's why, again, we wanted to find something that was a perfect in-between, whether you liked mild, whether you liked full-bodied. So, Yeah, and I think, you know, my initial tasting notes, I would say that uh, this reminds me of... Um, Dark chocolate and pear. So interesting, uh, really interesting. Like it's a it's a robust smoke and there's a good bit of smoke coming off it. But it's not like strong, but it is like full and, and I would say this, the smoke is like on the chewy side almost. I like to try to break it down to say, you know, Full flavored, not necessarily full bodied. Two yeah. different aspects of the cigar. Right, right. Uh, I mean, we have a cigar that is full bodied and not quite full flavored. So you could really, if you break it down to that science, then you're really confusing the shit out of people. But uh, you can, re- I mean, if you put it simply, uh, I feel it's 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 easier for the consumer to understand. Like you're going to expect, you know, not the strength, but you're going to get a lot of complexity and different notes from it. Where we, again, one of the cigars that we have is just a kick in the pants, very yeah, strong. Yeah. And it may not be as diverse. It's more just straightforward. So, yeah, I feel like this would uh, be a very versatile smoke because you know, as a you know twenty year cigar smoker, I can smoke pretty much anything. Like my tolerance is pretty high, and uh, this has got all of the punch I'm looking for in a cigar. But it's not so strong. I couldn't have it as a breakfast cigar or you know something like that. They actually make it in uh, seven sizes almost. I think. Six, yeah, six sizes. So Seven. there's a, They also have a six and a half. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a six fifty six Toro, the six and a half fifty six Toro. Because um, I, th- you guys, the Perfecto is. I, so I always, I'm gonna admit that I always confuse with Battleground cigars the Armistead and the Long Street, because they're both, the wrapper's the same color, and the bands are like the background, the color of the band is the same, and so the the Perfecto that we have is also an Armistead, and that's. Uh, a 660 it's 60 at its, at its fattest part but both ends are tapered it's like a little torpedo uh, like a little missile torpedo um, but that one's awesome too I'll have to get you one of those John like a perfecto <laughs> <laughs> now we just actually added that size and the 6x60 Gordo to the Armistead line before we just had our you had the standard you had the Toro, you had the Robusto, you had the Corona, and you also had a Torpedo. But recently, uh, we have added the Figurado size and the Perfecto, and then the 6x60 Gordo. Um, surprisingly, um, that uh, Perfecto has actually done really well. And um, a lot of when you get those friend to friend, if you see the friend to friend boxes with General Hancock in it, with General Armistead, uh, both both sides will actually have a Figurado. So it's kind of. Um, I really love the presentation of the boxes. You mentioned presentation earlier with the bands. Uh, I wish we had a box here to display too, but the boxes, uh, the artwork that we've done is phenomenal. We've taken the historical pictures and 
not really tweaked it, but put it like almost like an oil canvas and plastered it on the bottom of the top of the box. And so when you open the lid, you see the general and a nice little painting. And uh, so I think presentation has always been a big thing, which I always thought kind of funny because I like more of the no band, no cellophane. Like I want not necessarily looking like a dog turd, but I want something that looks a little more rustic, a little more old school. Mm. To me, that that's really appealing to me. Sometimes the simplest bands to me are, are speak the loudest to me. I considered uh, bringing the boxes, and actually, it's funny you mentioned that. The boxes are also uh, one of the many debates that we've had this weekend. So we've, uh, at our Gettysburg location, Union Cigar Gettysburg, we've run a, so so a little background. July 1st to the 3rd is the anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, this year is the 160th anniversary. So it's a huge year, reenactors everywhere, folks traveling from all over. And so we're running a big, this big, uh, event with you guys battleground cigars um and it was it was all day the all day on the 30th all day on the first and then all day uh on the second too oh that's pretty cool because like you could be a tourist coming in you know yeah. for for gettysburg and like collect your favorite general Dude, or whatever that's cigar, exactly right? what like yeah that that's pretty cool i like that people like i mean obviously it's a hit because it just goes like it's a match made in heaven battleground cigars in gettysburg you know right. gettysburg cigar right. shop um, but these boxes are incredible and people like are begging us for them they want to buy them but i i actually i considered bringing a box over but i was like that's too big of a wormhole or a, a can of worms i can't i can't do that like we'd we'd, we'd spend hours talking about it yeah and of course it's an audio only podcast so that uh presents a slight challenge yeah, I was just standing here holding it up to the mic. Can you guys yeah, see this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're driving and uh, you need directions, but you got to turn the radio down. I got to turn that down. I can't see type thing. Right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Nick, tell us about your cigar. So, as many of you guys know, uh, the Crow is my favorite wrapper leaf. Um, this one's awesome. A bigger gauge than I normally like. I think this is a 554, maybe a 556. But um, awesome. Earth, wood, wood notes. Um, a little bit of sweetness, just overall really, really good. And the punch is, uh, the punch is holding up okay so far. So I'm not, I'm not upset about that decision, but it's, I mean, it's just awesome. And that's the Hancock line. Yeah. Hancock Robusto, uh, Ecuador Corojo wrapper, Sumatran binder and Nicaraguan fillers. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I explain, uh, with the general Hancock, um, it was released last year in November. It was supposed to be. It was our trade show exclusive, which I know we'll probably talk about PCA here in a little bit. But uh, the um, the Hancock, uh, I usually get some hazelnuts, maybe a little dates, raisin note to it as well. Uh, it's really one of the few cigars. I can't remember. There was one other one that I kind of got similar notes from. But that's how I explain it to people if they're asking me, you know, not just the body, but the flavor profile. I get some hazelnut and, uh, and dates, but I do agree with your – I'm not going to argue with you on that one. So – Johnny, Johnny Midas and I always joke that uh, if you're smelling the foot of a cigar and you don't smell dried fruit, then you're, right. yeah, there's if, something if wrong. If it's not you. dried fruit on the cold draw, then yeah. Yeah. you know, then you're smoking an acid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, Justin, uh, tell us about that Mysterioso. Well, let's see. I don't even think I'm terrible in measurements, but I'm getting down there so far within that first third. Um, I'm really, I don't know. This is one of the cigars that I can smoke any time of day. I mean, I'm just with a coffee right now, haven't had anything to eat. Uh, I'm usually pretty, 
I guess I'm a, a little wimp when it comes to it. I like to always have something in my stomach before I smoke a cigar, especially to start the day. But with the Mysterio, so I actually felt comfortable lighting it up. Uh, again, um, it does have that darker Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, but um, the blends that we have for the binder and the, uh, and the filler, um, and then that little sliver of Perique just changes the complexity. Um, the body, uh, I mean, I always say about medium bodied. Some people have told me it's more medium to full. Um, but with that, uh, I almost called it Latakia, Perique, uh, really adds like a smoky flavor to it. Um, I have tried to smoke a pipe. I'm just straight up honest. I'm too lazy for it. I appreciate yeah, yeah. the art. I appreciate the art form and the, the work that it takes to smoke one. But, um, the way I've been told as well, you're not going to smoke a full bowl of Perique. It's kind of one of those, uh, you throw it in as like a condiment at it with your Virginian or, mm-hmm. Um, but again, we, we, we tested this blend out and we, uh, there were a few, few runs that we had to get the combination right. And, uh, really the filler, it's anywhere from, they say five to 7% of the fillers, the pre pipe tobacco. So it's just enough to change the complexity. We had some there for a while that were like, holy shit, what the hell happened with this thing? And then we had some before where there wasn't anything special. So we've got it dialed in pretty good now, but, um, yeah, I, I just, I always say I always hate to say leather because I can't imagine myself sitting there chewing on leather. But mm-hmm. um, through the retrohale, it really has that leather vibe, and again, that smokiness from that perique is just a subtle hint in there. Um, so again, I, I can smoke this guy any time of the day. I feel like that's a pretty cool, like unique blend for those of you know those of our listeners out in the audience that have maybe smoked a lot of cigars and want to try something a little new and different. You know, uh, that's pretty unique. So. That is pretty cool. All right, and we're all just about an inch in, I think, on these uh, on these cigars. So that is uh, what we are smoking, and uh, we will get back to Battleground cigars in a little bit. But why don't we uh, jump into PCA because that's happening, right? Yeah, super excited. Uh, seven days in Vegas is. Seven days too long. Uh, I'm only there for seven days because, you know, we got to get there, set up, and then we have the teardown um, as the vendors. Of course, retailers, they can come in. Uh, show starts on Saturday uh, the 7th, I believe. Yeah, my watch died. I couldn't tell you what today is. Today is the second, right? I don't know. Uh, I didn't actually set the date on my watch because I'm lazy. Oh, there so. we go. I forgot I had a phone in front of me, too. July 2nd. So uh starts next Saturday, which... Um, that would be, holy crap, math, 6th, 8th, 8th through the 12th. So we get there, set up, uh, my wife and I will get there Wednesday, um, probably evening time, I think, and then usually it's like a dinner with the family from there, then to Thursday is like an all-day setup, you know, we've got this, people love it, it's god-awful, uh, we set up this big canvas Civil War tent, and, uh, it is... A pain in the ass. I thought when I got out of the army, I thought I'd never have to put up another one of those damn tents. And uh, well, boy, was I wrong. Biscoff. I was trying to. I was trying to think of what the sweet note was in this Armistead, and it's a Biscoff. You know oh, those, those fancy are? wafers on yeah. when you get on an airplane. Yes. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Actually, that's a good. Yeah. I love. I mean, I'm always asking for more of those throughout the like, entire it's flight. A, it's not quite graham cracker. Yeah. No, it's almost got like that, um, I don't want to say honey, but something, there's something extra to it. So yeah. Biscoff is good. And now I can't look for it. Now I wait for my flight for those just coming up. You should try and dunk it in your coffee. Um, the cigar? 
Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so, I had this guy that was uh, smoking in um, Texas, and he had a glass of whiskey on his you know side table, and he was dunking the head of the cigar in the whiskey. The and cap? The, yeah, and then... No, I mean, it was clipped. He was yeah. actively smoking the cigar. Yeah. And he was dipping it in whiskey, and then he would take some puff, and then he would... Dude, there was an I wanted to just like reach across the lounge and strangle him, but I I didn't. There's there's an Arnold video that circulated about a year, a year and a half ago. I think Cigar Aficionado actually posted it, but he was like, "Oh, bad Arnold impression incoming." Um, oh, the best way to smoke a cigar is to dip it in rum or whiskey, and then like he lathers the entire cigar in like whatever he's drinking. I feel like if you're Arnold. I feel like you can do whatever you want if you are Arnold. Yeah, that's true. He's. Yeah. I can. I can consume whiskey and cigars, however I choose. Uh, yeah, uh, I know a lot of like purists in the industry. Like, uh, they did a response video and they like they were ripping their hair out and they were like, "No!" So all of you out there, jump on burnlinepodcast at gmail dot com and let us know who has the worst uh, Arnold impression. Uh, Justin, you want to give it a go? Hey, why the hell not? Predator is one of my favorite movies. What, what, yeah. what, uh, what was that line there when they meet uh, with Carl Weathers? It, uh, What's the matter, Dylan? CIA got you pushing too many pencils? <laughs> Probably one of my favorite action movie lines of all time. And then they do that fancy, like, you know, the biceps, and they come together. You son of a bitch. Like cla- yeah, you son of a bitch. I actually got in trouble back in school when... Uh, so surprisingly, they allowed me to use a computer during science class, and instead of science, I was doing soundboards. And uh, I was always rocking the Arnold soundboard, man. It was just great. Put that cookie down. Like, and uh, my teacher just losing their minds. So I'm not very good at it, but I appreciate it. Put that Biscoff down. <laughs> very nice. So jump on burnlinepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us all of your uh, comments there. And be sure to let us know who has the worst Arnold impression. And they will get the Frankly Unbelievable Award, our FU trophy. Wow. There's a there's a Bill Hader one that I'm going to make you post on uh, Instagram. <laughs> um, so yourself, um, the owners. No, uh, not yourself. Yourself is the reflexive pronoun, which means the subject of the sentence and the person being acted uh, on would have to be the same. So it would be you, which is objective. Um, I think you just mispronounced Justin. I'm, I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I'll tell you what. PCA. You know, while you're here, uh, Justin, you should teach Nick how to laugh on the podcast because, I mean, he earned the nickname Nick the Brick for a reason. Like, he has the emotional constitution of, like, a quarry, a rock quarry. So, a quarry doesn't rhyme. Brick does. I'm just here to spread the message. I mean, dude, just think of the movie Borat. Smile, pussycat. Come on, man. Just see? Just give us some Borat, man. All right, so back to PCA. Uh, enough fuckery. Um, all right, so yeah, you get you guys have a civil war tent, which is a pain in the ass, but pretty freaking awesome. I mean, that's cool branding, right? You don't see a lot of canvas tents up there. At PCA, Honestly, the, right? recently the themes for booths have been huge. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah. I remember uh, Jason Newman when they uh, did their Elberlo factory down in Tampa. They built a replica of the factory on the trade show floor. And that was awesome. I didn't see it in person. Thank you to my bosses. But um, <laughs> it was awesome to look at pictures. 
So I was at Modex a few years ago, which is a, a large material handling conference. It's down there in the conference center in Atlanta and uh, Heister Forklifts, which you may have heard of. Um, they had a booth there and they had a giant tree and a chainsaw artist that was cutting a life-size fork truck out of this giant fucking like old Sequoia trunk that they had. I'm like, how many millions did you spend on your fucking trade show booth? You know, but I mean, it's a chance to show off and man, the budgets on this, like I was talking to a couple of guys that I can't name because, you know, they're in the, the industry, but they were talking about the budget for PCA and I couldn't believe the number of zeros on that, you know. It's like a sandcastle competition for adults. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. It, it It is unfortunate because, you know, it's not just the trade show floor uh, and the cost of setting up your booth for those, you know, four days, but, you know, you also have your employees coming in. And I do know that a few of them, not a few, but there's been quite a few cigar companies that almost bring, since COVID at least, uh, they've been doing a little bit more of the skeleton crew, which I understand. Um, but my luxury of being the only sales rep for the company small company love it um is that you know we don't have to deal with that uh the company is all for having a family values um they've invited my wife out this will be her third straight year i believe doing it um with us at the trade show floor um their daughter victoria and her husband uh comes out charlie and so it's it's really got a family vibe to it so yeah a lot of stress a lot of stuff going on but it is nice when you're there with people that you feel like are family with you you know yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's one of the things I've really appreciated about my company. Um, eight years with them, uh, and I know there's a lot of the reps in the industry. It, there could be some turnover, quite a bit of turnover, um, but being treated like an individual and a human being, um, they've always that's always resonated better with me than just being a number. Because I remember you can, you can do that. Well, I I guess I don't so know. My side gig, a, I'm a, a business consultant, particularly specializing in like lean production. Uh, lean six sigma theory of constraints you know all the mathy stuff um and i think you know like i think the best philosophy for business leaders especially large corporations is just be hard and shit on people you know like if you can really adopt that into your culture you're gonna have a top-notch business um this is what i'm talking about like no laughs at all like am i really hitting that it, it, I thought you were serious. Or am I hitting too close to I thought you were serious. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> this is my uh, this is my deadpan, you know, like on stage persona or whatever. It's Well, it's so the, a, I guess there's there's like the there's like the the hard and fast numbers aspect of it, right? Where I could see you saying something like uh, efficiency is the top is the top value in a no, company. It's, it's in re, but if I'm being serious, it's people because they're the ones nice. making you the fucking money. Yeah, right. You know? Right. And I'm taking my whole factory to Hershey Park with their whole families in like a week, two weeks. Now, why, you know, and it, and obviously it's not cheap, you know, catered lunch and everything, why? Because they pay my fucking paycheck, you know, and just recognizing like, hey, we're a team that makes money together, we're all getting wealthy together, I think goes a long way. Um, so this wasn't intended to be a discussion on how to manage your business, but that's good to hear, you know, and, and I think that in the cigar industry, there's definitely like, you know, more, of like the family aspect. Um, and part of that, you know, the Mesoamerican cultures, I think beat the pants off of the United States in their appreciation of family and the way that they, you know, treat family and, and legacy and stuff like that. That's something we could all learn from, I think. Um, 
but yeah, like once you get into like the C corp thing where you have a board of directors and nobody really owns or is responsible for anything and you can pass the buck in like it's a circle, you know, like a human centipede where you can just pass it along all the way down, all the way down the chain. <laughs> now, Mama, Mama Karen is what I like to call her. She, uh, she is of very long Italian uh, heritage. And uh, I know I hear from stories every Sunday, almost her entire life. They still have family meals on Sundays, um, you know, homemade meatballs, pasta, stuff like that, you know. So um, maybe it's just her core values i mean her husband mike um the two owners they uh he's of polish descent um he's he's an interesting guy i love him he's great uh but when it comes to mama karen man you don't mess with her he's got I, I swear she's part of the mob out there in Connecticut <laughs> or, or i have no idea so be careful if you're out there on the east coast mike's a good guy but he has too many consonants in his last name uh, uh nick i notice your uh timepiece is that a seiko five what uh what are you wearing today yeah it's a seiko five i actually got it uh I was a groomsman in a wedding. This is my gift. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. I, it's one of my favorite. Um, when I'm not wearing my Spy Kids watch, mm-hmm. I uh, I'll wear this. I like this watch a lot. When Nick the Brick is not wearing his five swatches that he got in uh, middle school, he wears his Seiko five. That's nice. I I think I wore my Seiko the other week that my wife got me before we were married, and uh, it's like a quartz stainless steel. Looks really similar. And uh, it was featured in GQ as like the watch to get if you can't afford the watches that I buy now. Um, and of course, we were dirt poor, poverty struck. Um, oh and so it really, you know, like, like she really sacrificed, you know, to get me that, get me that gift. And then it broke. So, you know, we looked into what it would cost to get repaired. And they're like, just buy a new one. Like it's, so I hung on to the watch because it had sentimental value. So for Father's Day this year, she took it to, uh, what's that place across the street? Garrett Jewelers. Garrett Jewelers. Yeah. She took it to Garrett and they repaired it. So super cool. It's back in the rotation. It's actually my favorite wristwatch. Like it's the perfect face size, uh, perfect weight, perfect fit on my wrist. Same, same type of bracelet. Um, and uh, they had, uh, they were able to do it for a lot less uh, than we had expected as well. So it was a good value. We'll get, we'll get the uh, Garrick Jewelers and this establishment that we're sitting in right now, Union Cigar, uh, are good friends. So we'll, we'll get them on at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, we should, we should totally do that. Especially like if you're into wristwatches, like yeah. they're the, they're the spot around here. It's like the lifestyle connection of cigars, wristwatches, and oh yeah, uh, whiskey. So PCA, we uh, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that's coming out. Um, and by the way, we beat the other podcasts to that. So good job, Nick, on the cigar news. You always hear it first at Burnline Podcast. Uncommon knowledge for the common man and woman and cigar smoker. As long as you're 18 or older. 21. No, you can smoke if you're 18. Nope, not anymore. Are you serious? Federal I know you couldn't buy. About- like, you can't buy, but... So wait a minute. So you can be 18 and be like given a rifle and go shoot people, but you can't smoke a cigar? Yes. So the cigars for troops have a real problem then? No, they, uh, I think they're, they ID everyone that they, they hand the. Yeah, like I said, a big problem. Like that's a logistical nightmare. Cigars for Warriors is very uh, <laughs> diligent about IDing all the servicemen and women and not giving them cigars. Anyway. 
Um, yeah, that, that was a law that was passed. Yeah, about two years ago. Someone came into the shop the other day, and he was like 19. And uh, he was like, oh, when did that happen? When did they change it to 21? And I was like, uh, when you were in middle school. Yeah, two <laughs> years ago, dude. I wouldn't know. I haven't been 18 in a, a long time. So Yeah, yeah, when you're in your... Uh, yeah, when you're when you're in your midlife, then yeah, back when you were a gleam in your daddy's eye, yeah. <laughs> we had cigarette vending machines when I was growing up. I used to, yeah, I had a couple of shops in Ohio that um, one of them was really big in uh, the local high school. They would donate, um, well, they would have not donate. They would put a special cigar on super sale for the seniors graduating. It was just kind of like a nice little celebratory. Now, obviously, not everybody took took part, but you know. It, Cigars is known to be a celebratory thing, right, and right. I've kind of taken that out of the aspect of it. And, yeah. and like you said, with the whole 18 and carry a gun and all that stuff, it's the same thing <laughs> in the military, man. I mean, even when I was living on base, like I think uh, before I deployed to Iraq, I was only 20, and my, my wife was a year older than me and buying me beer and all that fun stuff. Right. She was pregnant. She was not drinking, but the pregnant woman going in and getting beer looks a little suspicious, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Thankfully, it was Fort Bragg, and nobody looked twice. <laughs> Yeah, my brother is a 82nd Airborne. He's a platoon sergeant down there in North Carolina. So nice. I had a few guys. I had a few guys when we got back from Iraq. They PCS'd uh, over to the 82nd. Um, I was stationed uh, with the 2nd Infantry Division out of Fort Lewis, Washington. Unfortunately, during my deployment, I got beat up pretty good, so I wasn't able to really go airborne. I would have loved to, but uh, my back and knees um, did not cooperate after deployment. So. I got stuck there, finished out the term, and uh, came back home to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and um, now this is what I'm up to. And you're listening to the dulcet tones of G.I. Justin on Burnline Podcast. Yeah, obviously, thank you for your service, Justin. Um, so, did, did cigars play a role in your time in the military? Did you smoke cigars when you, uh, you know, when you were overseas? Uh, yes, actually. My father-in-law, which I mentioned earlier, he has that uh, cigar, wine, and chocolate shop back home in Fort Wayne. He would send me out a care package almost once a month, and I instantly became one of the most popular guys on the base. There um, you go. It was, it was nice to have that camaraderie because after long days of being out in the sun, it's 115, 120 degrees, you know, the occasional sandstorm, you know, typical days over there. It was nice if you ever had a chance to sit down and get chow after after a long day on the road, and you had the camaraderie of being able to sit down. Some guys played cards. We had the, the whiz kids play chess. I just laughed at them. Uh, actually, no, I have nothing against chess. I'm just not smart enough for it. Um, but having that cigar and, and, you know, a lot of guys, big, I was never a cigarette smoker. A lot of cigarette smokers uh, were buddies of mine in the Army, but the cigar just changed the game a little bit. It, it allowed us to take an hour um, out of that misery and that suck to just reflect, relax, talk about stories of home. And it became, it went from a hobby to more, he would also send me out publications, you know, Smoke Shop Magazine, Cigar Snobs, Cigar Aficionados. And I started reading it, and I really started to appreciate more of what I was cutting and lighting and smoking, you know. Um, it, obviously, the social aspect of it was the big part, but being able to appreciate how many hands that that product goes through, goes through, you know, it's a handmade product and it's pretty impressive to see the finished product and what you get to enjoy. And, um, then it became a passion and, uh, you know, now it led to me doing the sales job. So I'd say during Iraq, absolutely. Didn't get a chance to smoke as many cigars while we were on base I and mean, we'll be out in the field doing stuff like that. But, um, I think, uh, that's pretty much where it all, all started from. 
That's super cool. So why don't we touch back on these uh, cigars, share some tasting notes and experience. Um, Nick, you want to start with your Hancock? Yeah, I've only had to touch this baby up once. It's been awesome. Um, not too much, not too much of the tar buildup that we were worried about. That Johnny, Johnny M was worried about. Um, so that's good. It's good to know that you can punch the cigar. Um, ash is a little bit flaky. Notes are the same that I was getting earlier. Um, just an overall really awesome, medium bodied, like good with this cup of coffee. Just a good cigar. All right. And uh, Justin, tell us about this Mysterioso. Well, I have to admit, my palate's a little deaf right now. We, I've smoked so many cigars these last two days from our event. I mean, I know what I'm, I know what I'm smoking, but it's hard for me to explain. I've also went from drinking coffee to now I'm drinking a C4 energy drink. Sorry, I'm not trying to throw out sponsorships. But the, the randomness of the, uh, the flavors that I've partaken in has really kind of just dulled the cigar down. But um, it's still, like, I've only had to touch it up just the once just to clear up an edge. But as far as the, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much halfway through. Still getting some of that smoky notes. I still get a little bit of that leather. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, my palate's, I don't know why I said deaf, but uh, a little a little numb, <laughs> a little dull. But, um, again, uh, construction-wise, I'm hanging on really well. Um, that's one thing I've always appreciated about our cigars, too, is the construction. I feel we've always done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a handmade product, so you're going to have a few faulty ones here and there. But, um, uh, you know, it's not something you have to keep up with all the time, which is, again, too lazy for a pipe that's one of the reasons just keep it lit and keep it going man right right all right so on this armistead um as far as tasting notes go definitely that biscoff flavor is there which is really awesome um and then i think if you took a bartlett pear if you're familiar with that and you peeled it and then you took the peel and turned it into like fruit leather that would be uh the the note that i'm getting there yes nick I am very specific with my tasting notes. Honestly, yes. you're going to get famous for that. <laughs> Some, guy, something like that. This uh, guy that can nail down the temperature at which he cooks his uh, steak and what the cigar tastes like. Oh, speaking of steak, guess what I did for Father's steak, Day? Steak, reverse seared uh, ribeye. No, so my uh, business partner flew up from Dallas and uh, we just fucked around. We went to Codorus and got like a double kayak and then we like landed on the island and like walked around and I found a goose egg. Um, but I got these two Wagyu beef tomahawk steaks from Texas, and we grilled them, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, you got a you got a grill too, right? I did. I bought myself a grill for Father's Day. Happy Cong- Father's Day to me. Congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah, giant ass like five burner propane. I was using a uh, no, it was just too small. Like I could cook like maybe three steaks on it. Yeah, you know so. I had to upgrade, so I upgraded. It is not gold-plated yet. Uh, it's stainless steel, but everything I touch turns to gold. So, And it's grilling season out here. And it is grilling season. Dude, two days away from the 4th. Dude, my brother down in St. Tammany Parish, he was like, I was texting him the other day. He's like, how is it up there? It's been like 110 with the heat index for the last month. I'm like, in the morning, I wear a hoodie and sip coffee on yeah. the porch, and it's 65. Yeah. And then it's 85 in the afternoon. Like, it mid-Atlantic region is perfect weather. Like, yeah. Can't beat it. I'm getting ready for August, though. Yeah. 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 August is going to be brutal. August will be brutal. But at least it's only one month and not seven. Hashtag Texas. Yeah, so um, that's the tasting notes I've got on this Armistead. And then as far as the burn goes, like you can see the burn line is beautiful. Um, it has been burning 
just fine. You can see I've got my stacked dimes ash, but like you can pick up the whole ash. And then the like the flakiness, that's usually related to, you know, the uh, curing process. And you can tell that this tobacco has been aged pretty well, right? There's also none of that, um, you know, like the greenish tint that you get if, it, if it's not aged properly or whatever. So very high quality cigar. And I think, you know, Justin, the thing that stands out to me is uh, this might not be a brand that folks are familiar with, but the quality of these cigars is like top notch. We, we smoke a lot of cigars on the podcast and a lot more outside of the podcast. And, you know, we're constantly ranking cigars on the basis of value. Right. Because you can have a really good cigar that is just priced at a point where it's like, eh, you know, but I could get two of these or something. Right. Uh, and the other way around, you know, like you can have an inexpensive cigar where you're like, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to smoke it. You know, with with uh, this Armistead, I mean, this holds up in terms of quality and taste with pretty much anything we've smoked on the show so far. So I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, again, that's one thing I've always really enjoyed about our company is just the, I feel, you know, we've taken the time to get the blends where we want it to be and how we want the construction to be. Um, the, uh, again, I know I know people aren't going into humidors. Hey, man, where's your Battleground cigars at? And it's like, well, if they are, then that means I've either done my job or somebody just kisses kisses my ass, which I'm cool either way. But um, it's, it's, again, it's one of those where you're hoping to find a hidden gem and, and you know, doing our third annual uh, Gettysburg anniversary um, for the battle uh, up at, uh, or I guess, down in Gettysburg, right? Down? Over. So, over? Okay. Left, right, east, west, west, east. Um, okay. West. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, you hope to go in there and find a hidden gem. And, you know, I had guys come in the last couple of days that they really just bought the cigar because of the general aspect. Like, right. Oh, that's so great. Now, you know, uh, you could almost consider it like <laughs> borderline house cigar. You know, you're, you're downtown Gettysburg, and uh, you're right there on the circle. So much foot traffic going around. And um, some guys even said, I'm buying it just to put it on my mantle or right. to, to add to right. their Civil War memorabilia. So yeah. that's cool to see. But again, if, if you get a chance to, to grab one of our cigars, you know, smaller company, I think we're in less than 200 shops around the country. Um, I've, since my tenure, we, I've added quite a few shops around the Midwest area. So any guys traveling through, you know, Ohio, uh, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, you got a pretty good chance of finding them around that area. You know, I've got some straggling shops around other parts of the country, but um, it is. I believe it's a hidden gem. Um, I mean, we've been in business for 23 years. We must have done something right. Uh, that or my 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 owners of my company are millionaires and never told me. So right. not, not anymore. Sure. I, not anymore. <laughs> nope. We did have to pay for that PCA. But yeah, one of the reasons I was excited about you know having you on the show is that these are good to smoke cigars, right? And, uh, yeah, there's definitely the aspect of, like, if you're into, like, Civil War history or, or just a war buff kind of, like, you can actually just collect these because they have, like, famous generals and stuff on them. Um, but I hope everyone smokes them uh, because these are really good cigars. And, you know, we don't uh, get on the podcast and, like, we don't take money from cigar manufacturers or anything like that because we want to you know maintain our independence and and be able to teach people like well this was our experience and obviously everybody's different you know i i shit on acid like every chance i get on the show but it's like a top selling cigar right so everybody's you know palate and experience is different but this is 
this is one of those cigars where I want people to go out and buy it and try it because it's a really good cigar and you might not have tried it before. And I can't wait to try that Mysterioso because I want to try that special, special sauce there. Yeah, I mean, when, when we can keep them in stock too, the, the Emancipator, which is, I mean, you talked about it a little bit in the beginning, Justin, but uh, I mean, that's the one. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. like that. This it, it's a glass link. It's a glass tube with a a, a deep blue sleeve of with Lincoln on it, and it says Emancipator or Bourbon Bourbon. Yeah. And they age it in dry bourbon barrels, and it's. I mean, it is just that's the one yeah. for for us, especially in Gettysburg. Oh, I noticed you didn't bring one for me, Nick. Well, all right. So we sold. <laughs> we sold. Yeah, we sold out. Um, that was the first cigar we sold out of in for the event and usually that's how it goes yeah um we can't i mean typically we can't get enough yeah to be completely honest yeah yeah i think you know you said hidden hidden gem hopefully less hidden after the uh, the podcast because i I really want people to go out and smoke these because they're good cigars um but it's it's like once it's not hidden you know the the people that are in the know like they buy the cigars up you know so that uh repeat I guess repeat buying thing like that's a really good indicator of what you've got going on, right? It'll be nice to buy a full tank of gas instead of just going half tank. That'll be right. nice, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sales are booming. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You are listening to the dulcet tones of Johnny Midas on Burnline Podcast, brought to you from the Hot Box at Unisgar Hanover, Pennsylvania. USA, where it is uh, smoky from California, or I'm sorry, Canadian wildfires, and a little misty, little uh, like it might rain. Um, perfect day to go home and not mow the lawn, so an excuse to sit out on the patio and smoke another one of these cigars. We're uh, grateful for Justin Randolph, national sales rep for Battleground Cigars, joining us today as we enjoyed a few different Battleground products. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Burnline Podcast. And of course, if you have any suggestions, comments, notes for the show, drop us a line at burnlinepodcast at gmail.com and we will uh, take that into advisement. If you don't want me to read your email on the show live or not live, uh, just make sure you tell me and try to do it like in the beginning of the email because I don't want to get to the end and have an oopsie. Uh, because editing is a pain in the ass. That's all we've got for you this week. Thanks for joining us on Burnline. Goodbye, everybody.